well, I believe it's the biggest spending bill in history. Uh, the unfortunate thing is it's, it's really just a political statement. And so the speaker called us back here to, so that she could make a political statement today. It's dead on arrival in the Senate. What is the political statement? The, <laughs> the political statement is she called me a dangerous nuisance. Dangerous nuisance. Dangerous nuisance. Uh, because I insisted with massive opportunity, and we give it back to you, the people. Gotham is yours. None shall interfere. Do as you please. I'm a no vote on this. Um, thank you. Okay, so much. thank you. All right. Wednesday, I don't know what day it is. Parker, you're getting better at those. Those are really- I'm really trying. I mean, it's really good. That was, I give it back to the people. That was awesome. I mean, it even it looked like him. It, it, it lined up very well. It really did. I give it back to the people. It, it's kind of reminds me what's going on now, you know? Give it back to the people. Welcome to How Valid is the Validity. On a on a Wednesday, I, I'm serious. I I don't know what day it is. I've been in a basement for what feels like three months. What a week! I couldn't even decide on on stories to talk about because there was so much. Every day it just kept coming more and more and more to to narrow it down. There there tonight's show. Uh, Jeff Ruby, our guest uh, this after Jeff Ruby of Jeff Ruby Steakhouse, and uh, what a life uh, and conspiracy corner tonight. We're going to be talking about these user agreements that you just haphazardly hit agree to as you are trying to get a new piece of software on your computer uh, or any other technological devices. What are in these things? And it's not just your phones and and, and computers, but your cars. And it's it's really it's really amazing. Tonight, one, tonight sponsored uh, Aurora Nutriscience. Um, they have uh, hooked us up, and they're hooking up uh, uh, somebody uh, each show. So any, you know, we're gonna try to figure out how to how to uh, give away a package of these tonight. But I mean, they were nice enough to send us all that stuff behind me. Really, a great vitamin. If you're into supplements, it's 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 CoQ10, it's uh, cumin, it's vitamin C, vitamin D, lipic acid, all kinds of of liquid vitamins um, with the liposomal uh, that helps you digest and. And really absorb these vitamins more than you know, like a, a regular multivitamin or just a, a, a pill vitamin. We're proud to have them as a sponsor. And like I said, we're going to give away a whole package of vitamin C, lipic acid, glutathione tonight at some point in the show. The, the first thing, if you're, if you're looking and, and you're watching your cities and your towns uh, trying to open up, it is amazing to see what, what some people are, are doing to try to get, you know, make people feel comfortable from the shields. Uh, in, in, uh, at the counter, uh, all the way up to in low, my lows up the street from me, they, they've put up shower curtains, PCV pipe with shower curtains. And they put a shower curtain in between the self checkouts because <laughs> I mean, it's all, it's a, that's a placebo. I guess you would call a shower curtain placebo because that would, it does nothing. And can I just say this Parker, before I move on to all this other crap that's going on, cauliflower is not bread. Okay, cauliflower will never be bread. It'll never taste like bread. 
It'll never have the consist. Do the cauliflower. Stop making. Stop taking cauliflower and trying to turn it into bread. It's not bread. Cauliflower pizza is gross and disgusting. I just need to get that off my chest. Speaking of food, <laughs> let's let's look at these mannequins. This is this is supposed to make you feel better about eating at a restaurant. <laughs> that that's sitting in a restaurant someplace. I mean, that's, I'd rather get COVID. I, I wouldn't eat. Play the clip. Business owners making the place look as full as they can now that they're back open. They bought blow-up dolls, dressed them up to look like customers, and even stuck wigs on them. A similar idea in Virginia, where social distancing is in style by way of mannequins. And the changes aren't all just for looks. A chef in Ohio whipping up these plexiglass dividers between tables. It, it's awesome. I mean, it, it's very, uh, it, it's it's amazing. A, a lot of, you're starting to see now, you're either trying to keep up and, and, and open up and, and get business, or you're trying to, uh, you're trying to sue the government. You're trying to find somebody to sue. In New York, uh, there was a huge protest uh, in Staten Island where basically they were calling for the heads of the governor and the mayor. It, it is kind of amazing that New York Cuomo has been kind of the spokesperson of, of this whole situation. And they've had the most deaths and the most problems in, in, in their rest homes, which rest homes have been 40 to 50 percent of the fatality rate COVID. So when you put in the fact that they're hospitals and calling deaths, no matter if you had COVID and died from something else, and that 40 to 50% of, of fatalities are people in rest homes. This is really not, either we've done a really great job of flattening the curve, and or we've just basically, all the healthy people got that got it, got it and moved on. And everybody that liked the flu, that got it and couldn't take it, they didn't. And that that's becoming an issue too. Rest homes are, they're, they're coming under fire under in all the states, that all the states that made rest homes accept people that had COVID like New York did, which, are the, you know, that's going to be an issue. 27,000 deaths in the fourth largest city in the, in the, in the nation. Just to give some perspective, California is the, is the most populated and they had 2,700 deaths. So, I mean, I, I don't quite understand the, the New York infatuation with the governor there who's really had the biggest disaster of anybody in the country with, with still not the largest population in the country. It's going to be interesting to see how that shakes out. But businesses are suing. Uh, here in Nashville, for instance, bars, there have been a couple of bar owners that uh, have already said they're bringing a lawsuit to the, the AG and, and, the, and the state, the governor, uh, for how they've handled this situation and how much money they've lost. But who are you going to sue? I mean, even Cuomo said when people have mentioned about the rest homes specifically, he basically said, who, who are you going to sue? It's an act of God. You know, who, where did this come from? And then that becomes a whole nother issue. This is going to be years of dealing with this because who are people are going to try to sue somebody and that money's got to come from somewhere. You know, as we've talked about before, the, the, the federal government can keep printing money. It's not backed by anything. You can just print it all day long. It's an endless checkbook, but inflation is an issue. That being said, on the heels of, on the heels of a vaccine being talked about now, as close as before the end of the year, stock markets up in China, in the United States, which let's face it, during this presidential election, Trump was going in all, all intents and purposes, he was riding this whole thing based on the stock market and the unemployment rate. So it, even though you don't see much from Joe Biden right now, and what you do see is not the greatest if you're a Democrat, 
this, you know, the, these numbers as of right now, as long as there isn't a big second wave, look pretty good for Trump. Trump, who also uh, wrote a stern letter to the World Health Organization. The United States is the number one contributor to the health, World Health Organization, who have had all this problem with China because they've been basically China. China knew about this situation at the end of December and didn't say anything to anybody. And because of the relationship with the director, they had this thing where it was covered up. The World Health Organization basically covered it up. I mean, there's no question this is bad. This is really, there's no way to de- defend this this action at all. I don't care what your politics are. It, it doesn't matter. This is a really bad situation. How do you, because it ba- basically boils down to the next time something happens, maybe it does come out of China. How do you, how do you depend on the World Health Organization? He's basically saying if, if some of this stuff doesn't come out and you don't change the way you do business, we're pulling the funding and we're getting out of the World Health Organization. It's a big deal. It's a big deal. And, and good for Trump in that aspect. We depend on, we depended on the World Health Organization to tell us what to do. And, th- and that really, from all this, did we have to get so deep into this? Look what's happened. $7 trillion. It, this is going to be over almost $14 trillion. Democrat or Republican, the Democrats for sure are trying to use some of this bill in the House specifically, not to necessarily pass some of these things, but just to start get, getting the discussion going with the Green New Deal. Play that clip from McConnell. Finalized the CARES Act, the House parachuted in with miscellaneous liberal demands and unrelated, completely unrelated to COVID-19. Solar energy tax credits, airline emissions. One senior House Democrats called the virus a tremendous opportunity to restructure things to fit our vision. One Senate Democratic colleague asked, how many times are we going to get a shot at a trillion-plus program? They told us exactly what they were up to. So we ignored the left-wing wish list, and we stayed serious, and the CARES Act is still helping Americans bridge these temporary shutdowns. Now, I don't necessarily agree with all that. I think that uh, there was a Democratic congressman last week who gave a really good speech on the floor as, as far as what the Republicans were doing that wasn't necessarily right. But this has just gotten so out of hand. Point being is that we used the health or- World Health Organization in the beginning to tell us what we should be doing. And how we should have felt about that. Things that we could have been dealing with in, in December, in January, early January, that wouldn't have made the economy do this. Essentially, all the money that's had to be poured out because of recommendations from, from the WHO. That's why it's important. Because those, those people make other, help countries make decisions for these types of situations. Anyway, downtown Nashville, you know, the big deal. I've, I've gotten called for jobs again. Um, that's coming back downtown Nashville they're in stage one. Uh, live music is not a part of stage one, but some places are trying to do it and getting caught, of course, because you know, people are taking video. I mean, the bottom line is you you can't mix alcohol and then try to tell people what to do. I don't know if you've ever seen uh, an episode of uh, the Trailer Park Boys, but that being said, you you alcohol and, and direction and authority do not go together. Paps Blue Ribbon, Michelob Ultra. 60 of any of those, and you've got problems. People are going to want to jam out to some Leonard Skinnerd, and that's what's happening. You know, even though the bars have tried to put the bands on the second floor and pipe it downstairs through the first floor, even that's apparently been doing okay. But Nashville's had people in it. Places from other states. I've got job uh, offers from Illinois, Missouri, you know, basically saying we're, you know, we're opening up. We're trying to, everybody's trying to do their thing. But I mean, in New York over Memorial Day weekend, 
you know, the governor's basically saying, you go in the beach, we're going to, you go in the water, uh, we're going to pull you out. No drinking, no partying and no, I mean, just, just go, just stay home. The people aren't staying home. People are, are going out. They're going out. I mean, baseball is opening up. I mean, this is happening. They, the M- MLB passed, uh, and, and the union, I mean, listen to some of this stuff. They're going to enforce social distancing. Okay. So people can't go to the games. This is for the players. No hugs on high fives on home runs. I wouldn't even want to hit a home run. If you can't slap me in the butt after on c- coming home, if you can't touch my butt, I don't want to play baseball anymore. That was the whole fun of it. Hoo-hoo. Hit a home run and can't get, give a high five. Daily temperature screenings. How about this? When it's 107 in Tampa, it's hot. I mean, you could have a, uh, couldn't you have a, te- can you have a temperature as hot as the outside? Is that, that's not possible, right? I don't think so, no. Do you know? No. I don't even know why I'm asking you. I think your blood would boil, wouldn't it? Oh, my God. Jeez. Yep, going to school to be a doctor. No chewing tobacco. They got to sanitize their hands and in between each round. I'm not joking. This is real. You're joking. Testing all the players, coaches, and management, stadium personnel. Can't wear your uniform outside of the ballpark. Mascots are banned. Who's going to shoot my hot dog up in the stands? How am I going to be, right? Andrea said no to that question. Oh, she did? Well, that is a doctor. They got to wear, the managers and coaches got to wear face masks the whole time. I mean, baseball is going to look like hockey. I'll tell you one, so as much bad as sometimes come out of this, let's face it, there's there's some good things too, right? I've gone into some Waffle Houses at three o'clock in the morning and I, I thought, I'm not sure I want to eat here. And now I don't have to worry about it anymore because they got to keep, they got to keep it clean. But a lot of, there are going to be some things out of this that come out of this as far as dining and going to a, a, an establishment to eat, especially where it's not going to be such a bad thing. Places probably should have been doing some of this stuff in the first place, but the country's 50, 50. It always ends up being 50, 50, no matter what you can talk about. I'm going to saw this person in half in the middle of the street and somehow if you got a hundred people, fifty of them are going to say, "I don't think you should do that," and fifty are going to say, "Flay it on the side." I mean, it just it, there's it's always fifty fifty somehow. No matter what, how stupid or dumb it, it, whatever it is, there's always just half and half. It's really interesting. One good thing, this this kid, Josh Gad, I am a big Back to the Future fan, big time, and the fact that Michael J. Fox is still around is is, is pretty awesome. I'm not gonna lie. I mean, he, he doesn't look bad. And, and you, you know, if you didn't know what the situation was, I don't even know. You just think he was a little off, right? I mean, he, he really does look good for, for as old as he is now and, and as much as, as long as he's had to deal with, with the disease that he's had. Anyway, Josh Gad did this really neat thing. If you haven't seen this, you know, this is just a clip. But if you haven't seen this, it's really neat. He, basically, he's bringing back the cast of these old 80s movies, huge 80s movies back to the future the goonies bring up the uh... we're gonna start with michael and chris this is more serious than i thought apparently your mother is amorously infatuated with you instead of your father well wait a minute doc are you trying to tell me that my mother has the hots for me precisely well this is heavy there's that word again heavy why are things so heavy in the future 
Is there some problem with the Earth's gravitational pull or something? <laughs> Is that that's cool? I mean, he sounds exactly the same. If you weren't if you weren't watching him, it's that is neat. That is so freaking neat to see that. And Christopher Lloyd, I mean, he's got to be, you don't even know who that is. What year were you born? Nine, t- 99? 2001. 2000. God. <laughs> oh my God, it's disturbing on so many levels. Cheap. He's cheap. You're asking, uh, you're thinking it, I'm telling you. He doesn't cost much. How about the Goonies? Yeah, bring that one up. This is really insane. Listen to his voice. Yeah. Make the call now. You want me to round him up? Yes. 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 All right. How do we do this? Do you guys like Zoom or do you do you send out like a like a Goonies bat signal up to the sky? Sky? Don't you realize the next time you see sky, it'll be in another town. The next time you take a test, it'll be in some other school. Our parents, they want the best of stuff for us. But right now, they got to do what's right for them because it's their time. Their time up there. Down here, it's our time. It's our time down here. That's all over the minute we ride up Troy's bucket. Sean Aston. <laughs> Please welcome the cast Look at this. of the Goonies. Look at this. Josh, Lee, Martha, Carrie, Corey, Sean, Jeff. Guys, the cast of the Goonies. <laughs> it is. I mean, that's thirty some odd years ago. It is weird to see him there. I mean, what's his name? Um, I love the guy in the corner, right hand corner. What's his name? That was in. Uh, oh, that's awful. I can't. Uh, Brad, the Asian guy, he looks they, Asian. They never age anyway. He looks exactly the same. And Corey Feldman looks like he he joined a different religion. Everybody else looks like they have aged in some sort of. But the guy that was in, um, God, he's played in tons of movies. No Country for Old Men. What is his name? I don't remember. Doesn't matter. Anyway. Take a look at that, Josh Gad. If you get a chance, he's done a few of these with different different movies. But to me, those were those were the coolest ones. Um, I thought Josh Brolin. Thank you. He looks great. He was in a health mag, Men's Health magazine for showing people how to, uh, you know, look great over fifty. God, that guy looks good for twenty. You don't even look like that, Parker. Everybody, if you've never had a chance to experience uh, Jeff Ruby Steakhouse, if you get that opportunity, you've got to go. It is uh, one of the coolest dining experiences I think I've ever experienced. It's uh, he has one in Lexington and two in Ohio, Cincinnati, and uh, I can't remember where the other one is actually. One in Nashville now, but. It's it's really awesome. Jeff's life is super awesome, and uh, we had the distinct honor and privilege of of talking to him uh, this afternoon. We'd like to play that interview for you now. Uh, make sure you make sure that you stick around after uh, the interview as well, because you're going to want to see Conspiracy Corner tonight. It's going to be 
uh, it's going to throw you for a loop. Uh, here's Jeff Ruby. Jeff, how are you, sir? I'm all right, my friend. Well, I, where are you? Where are you at right now? In in New Jersey or, or Cincinnati. Cincinnati? Cincinnati. That's right. You live in Cincinnati. So, uh, any word about when Cincinnati's going to open up? We can open up patio 15th and the restaurant the 22nd. I think we're not going to do it that quickly. Yeah, a lot of a lot of yeah. a lot of uh, businesses have been getting in trouble for for the fact that they can't they're having a hard time just keeping half the restaurant not busy. Well, that's an issue, but it's better than nothing. And um, yeah. we'll, we'll open, but there's a tremendous, a lot of, a tremendous amount of uh, preparation and strategic planning. And we, we have to rewrite our operating manual for our employees. It's as thick as the yellow paper. Jesus, Pete. And we have to rewrite it now. For a whole, you have to rewrite how you manage your restaurant for every department. Change it. And, um, and then you have to get everybody, you know, back in and trained and on this whole new training program. And then all the equipment you're going to need and the sanitation and maybe there's a lot that goes into it. And I'm in the, you know, to me, this, this pandemic is like an iceberg waiting for the Titanic to arrive. <laughs> That's an interesting way to put it. To, I'm not in any hurry to put my patrons and my employees on the Titanic right now. I mean, do you see, the, do you see if this is going to, everything that you're going to implement, I mean, do you feel that it's short term or you're, these are things you're just going to do from here on out? You know, this could just be the tip of that iceberg I'm talking about. Two thirds of Americans right now don't, don't feel comfortable going out, become a political war. So now you're fighting two wars, the coronavirus plus this political division, the right, Matthew McGonaghy was talking about it on CNN. The right wing is saying, uh, you know, we want to go back to work and the, and the left is saying, no, we don't want to go back to work. And he said, that's crazy. That's got nothing to do with it. The virus doesn't know if you're a Republican or a Democrat. Right. Doesn't care. It doesn't care is what he said. Exactly. I don't see any uh, optimism at all based on uh, the political part of this thing exasperating the virus itself and making it worse. You know, you have to have some thought process in the fact of how, how you know, in your mind, at least, you know, and you employ a lot of people. How, how do you see this progressing in the sense that that we're going to get to a certain point where the economy just can't rebound? Some experts do. And, uh, and if 1918 is any indication, we could be in trouble. And that uh, CARE Act did nothing to help restaurants. My daughter ran the task force for Ohio Governor DeWine for restaurants, that she was responsible for the recommendations, which he approved, of how to space and seat the restaurants, the capacities and all of that. And in Ohio, they didn't go with the 50% or 33% like Kentucky did of capacity. They just left it at spacing and and other precautions and things that task force of the top restaurateurs in Ohio, from White Castle to high end, from Ma and Pop, little places and delis and cafes to the the biggest names in Ohio in the restaurant business. She led a committee of 10 on how they're going to address the restaurant openings and the restaurant ongoing operations. And Governor DeWine, who we have a relationship with, and they went with uh, the recommendations of of that restaurant uh, uh, business owners that that the governor appointed. So we were fortunate that she was chosen to be a huge part of that. Uh, Got what we wanted as far as Ohio is. Right. When you get done with your spacing, they're going to go, okay, if you're going to space every six feet and have dividers where you're not six feet, and the employees are going to wear masks and do all these other things, what 
whatever that is, that's your capacity, what you can see. It's not going to be based on 50% of your fire code capacity. In Tennessee, it's 50%. And in Kentucky, where we have two restaurants, it's a 33%. And outdoors, you can have all you want. Still got a space. But Lexington, we have a huge patio. So we, we, we can do some business out there. Yeah. I'm not optimistic about when this thing is, you know, that we're going to be back to normal this year. And the meal kits we started, which we are now having met in, in Nashville, we just started the other day. They've really helped. We did a ton of business uh, over the Mother Day weekend, but most of it was in Cincinnati where we've had it going for a little while. And the meal kits you pick up and you cook everything. There's directions. There's incredible food. It's it's, it's incredible. It's been good. People loving it. I mean, is that so, some, is that something? I mean, are you you think you're going to continue that even when when you are able to yeah, have? Yeah. 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 Uh, that might be as much business as the dining in part. I mean, as far as a silver lining, would you have been doing this regardless had you known the possibility of it? You know what I'm saying? Is this something that came out of this? Oh, okay, that was something that you know we didn't, we never really worked on or thought about. There were predictions in the industry before this pandemic. In 2020, there would be more people carrying out than dining in in restaurants prior to this. So we were aware of the trend of people wanting carry out. What we're doing, though, is raw food. You cook it at home, you grill your steaks, you got incredible directions. Macaroni and cheese already baked. Everything is uh, cooked, and it's a lot safer if you're cooking it than if you're buying it already prepared. So you're, you're bringing it up to the temperatures and everything. And, and it's like $135. You can have a Jeff Ruby dining experience for four people. So it's, it's quite a value. People are just raving about it. It's, uh, everybody's tweeting about it. Uh, celebrities, media people that got in this thing. And so we're getting some good publicity on, on social media. Sure. So, uh, you know, I know, I know you're a big, uh, you know, the, the, the ponies are a big thing for you. How, how disappointed were you in the, uh, the Derby not being around this year? That's huge. You know, there's the biggest race horse race in this part here in greater Cincinnati is the, at Turfway Park in Kentucky, and it was used to be called the Jim Beam Stakes, and now it's called been called the Jeff Ruby Stakes for the last three years. We made the decision. It's owned by Churchill Downs, right? And we we made the decision just a couple of days before the race that we better not open this thing up to the public and do this race. And we had a you know I had to talk to the CEO of Churchill Downs, the president of Churchill Downs, and, and they were very reluctant uh, because at the time our restaurants were open. But they agreed, and I'm and I'm sure they're glad they agreed <laughs> that that race should go off without anybody in the attendance. And there was two thousand already sold out for the just for the tent, the VIP tent. They broke the handle record by thirty percent with nobody there. So they the gambling still went on. Jeez, a piece. There was just nobody in the tent, and we took the food by the way, the Nashville to feed food insecure folks. Uh, you know, we were wanting to do something anyway. For Nashville after coming off that tornado. Yeah. And I had gone to Nashville. That was the last time I left this house. I went to Nashville to meet with Kid Rock and Steve Smith to go over uh, doing a fundraiser. You know, working on doing a big concert and doing all this stuff. And, and of course, Steve owns half of Nashville. He owns all the Broadway. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And um, we can't be doing any fundraiser. But what we did... Because then the virus hit. I don't know if it was late February or March, whenever it was that we had that meeting. I was only in Nashville for one day for that meeting and went back. We took all the food that we had prepared 
The steaks weren't cooked yet, but we had all of this food and fed about 3,500 food insecure people in Nashville. Holy mother. I think it's called Second Harvest over there. Yep, that's right, Second Harvest Food Bank. So we we, uh, did something good to help uh, instead of just uh, freezing everything or doing, you know, whatever. Sure. So that's what we wanted. We wanted to put it to use, so something good came of that. It is, unbelie- it is unbelievable that the double punch that Nashville took with that whole situation and then and then this coming. It, it, it really is. Yeah. It's that really was a- on the heels of it. And yep. that's why I chose Nashville as opposed to Cincinnati or Kentucky or something. Sure. And um, so that went to good use. I don't, I don't, I know all the stuff that's been going on and it's, and it's easy to get caught in that vortex, but I, you know, I, I do want a little bit of the history you know, because when I first met you, I, you know, I've, I've been playing in Nashville for such a long period of time and gotten to meet so many different people in different walks of life and businesses. I, I really had a unique experience meeting you because, you know, you were just building the restaurant here and I, I got to see it before it was, you know, before it was even anything and, and it was blueprints. You know, reading your book you know, um, and really seeing how you got to, to where you got to on, on a small, I know you've told this story a million times, but I just kind of want people to understand the inspirational part of this, you know, where a little bit about where you came from and, 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 you know, why you made a decision of opening up your first restaurant in Cincinnati and, and how that came about. If you don't mind just telling a little bit of that. Okay. No problem. Beyond all the success over the last, you know, 20 years, even as long as the restaurants have been open, but just how you got there. Right. I mean, a lot of people right now, especially, are are really trying to decide either they've been laid off, uh, or they're not. They're not. There's not a job to go back to, and they're like, "What do I do now? I've been. I'm. You know, I'm 40 years old, and I've been doing this one thing for a long time. And you know, one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you was because you got such an inspirational freaking story. Now, granted, you grew up and you, you know, you found your way, and it's a little bit different than being in the middle of, of your life. But still, can you talk a little bit about the, the focus and the drive that you had uh, to get to where you are today? Where do you want me to start, I guess? Well, I guess Cornell. Cornell, I mean, you know. the Oh, God, I start before Cornell. I was 15. I was homeless at 15. I, was, I ran away from home. I never returned. I raised myself. I had a football coach. Uh, I went out for the freshman football team in New Jersey. There was 1,800 kids in the school. Half black, half white, and one Jew. I was the Jew. <laughs> I, well, I went out for freshman football. I was the last kid to get a jersey. One jersey left for the freshman football team. And two guys that hadn't made the team. So they're going to let one guy, one kid, have the last jersey. So the coach decides to have the two guys get in the middle of the ring. All the other players encircle me and the other kid, whoever he was. And we're going to duke it out until one guy's standing. <laughs> oh, my God. And, and just keep hitting each other. Jesus. We had a freshman football coach named George Washington. He was a former Army colonel or something. Great guy. He, 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 did a, you know, he did the Army thing. He said, all right, you two get here and just keep hitting each other until somebody's the last man standing gets the final jersey uh, to be on this team. I was the last one standing. The teammate who became a good friend of mine later on, uh, you know, through the years, he told my co-author, he said, Jeff didn't care if he made the team or not. That wasn't, he could care less. He just wanted to beat the other kid. (laughs) So I made the team. I never played. I sat the bench as a center and and my freshman year. And by my senior year, I was first team all state, uh, captain of an undefeated team linebacker and guard and went to Cornell 
I went out for wrestling my sophomore year. I didn't win a match. My senior year, I didn't lose a match. <laughs> I'm in the high school hall of fame for sports. So I got into Cornell, but all this was made possible because the football coach there became my father. Without him, I would have never, ever mounted to anything. I was living in an eight by 10 rooming house with senior citizens in a bathroom down the hall. We all shared my sophomore, junior and senior year of high school. But he took an interest in me and I wanted to make him proud. If you're a kid and you don't have anyone you want to make proud. Yep. You don't want to make yep. your, you don't care less about making your father proud or your mother proud. That's a recipe for a, a, a tragedy coming up in your life. Yep. I never yep. wanted anybody. I was getting drunk by the time I was 12 years old. Freshman year, I run for president of my freshman class the night before I went out and got drunk. And everybody <clears> knew it, so I didn't win the president of the freshman class. I was just a thug. I was just, a, you know, a Jersey street fighter. and uh, getting in a lot of fights. But when I ran away from home and that coach took an interest in me, I finally had someone I wanted to make proud. And, and, and he was a former football player. He was a man's man. And, and I went on to go to Cornell. And then from there was offered a job um, with a company called Weingartner Hammonds hotel company with holiday inns at the time. They only had holiday inns. They wanted me to start in Syracuse. So I went for the interview. And, I, you know, and he came back, offered me a job. I was in Asbury Park working at a Perkins Pancake House all through high school. That's how I had money to live by myself. He kept calling the Holiday Inn in Asbury Park. And, and I didn't know what I just wanted to stay in Asbury Park and maybe work my way up to an assistant manager. I was an agologist at the time. At Perkins. <laughs> just I said, I don't want to start in Syracuse. Your headquarters are in Cincinnati. I want to go to Cincinnati. He said, how come? I said, I'm a Reds fan. He said, how could you be no a Reds kidding. fan? You're born and raised in New Jersey. I said, that's a long story. He said, okay, you can start in Cincinnati. I'm telling him. I'm 22, so I'm telling him where I'm going to start or forget about it. I'm not coming with you. <laughs> forget and about he's it. he's got to make all these other domino effects, whether I'm coming or not, who he's going to transfer to another city. You know, and, and I'm telling him, well, it's Cincinnati or forget about it. I'll stay right here. And then the riots broke out in Asbury Park, the race riots. And it was the worst race riots in the country. And that's when Bruce Springsteen left Asbury Park for New York, 1970. I hopped in my Dodge, 69 Dodge Charger. And I drove that Charger, Cincinnati, with $20 and a little suitcase and one suit. And, and, and I came to Cincinnati because I was a Reds fan. And what happens, you have to be good friends with Johnny Bench. And Johnny Bench and Pete Rose wind up putting back in me to help in my first restaurant, the precinct. And Sparky Anderson became like a father to me. Jesus. And, and all of that, because I was a Reds fan, and it turns out Johnny Bench and Pete Rose made my career possible by backing me. Uh, after 11 years, I wanted to open my own restaurant. That was always my goal. And, and we did, 1981. Well, the precinct. So how long did you know? How long in, into this uh, growing up? When? What was the turning point for you to go? I, I, I like this business. I want it. Was it as a kid? Well, my mother uh, had restaurants, and two of my four stepfathers had restaurants. I call them my forefathers, and my real father was someone she never married. So I'm a senior in high school, and I learned that um, the guy who I thought all along was my father, who never had anything to do with me, wasn't my father. And that's why he got divorced. When I was born with blue eyes, uh, he realized this is not my kid. And he got a divorce. Jeez, <laughs> oh, a Pete. 
that chapter in my book, my biography is uh, is the soundtrack to my life. Every chapter is a song title, and that that's right. That's called "Born to Run" by Bruce. And uh, I was born to run. As soon as I was born, it really had a lot to do with the rest of my life. What was going to happen to me? He left, and um, I stayed with my mother. I had an older brother, and he went with his biological father. It was his father was who I thought was my father. So he went with him and I never lived with him. He was six years older than me. And uh, we, you know, we never lived together. We lived about an hour away from each other growing up. So I didn't see much of him. But my senior year, he decides to call me and he wants to tell me something. That's uh, when I, I went to Monmouth College over there where he was at. Drove my little motor scooter over there. And uh, <laughs> that's when he told me who my real father was. So, um, and I and my father, my biological father, was an attorney and still alive. And I never called him. I never called him to say, hey, listen, you know, I'm your son and I'm, I'm living at an eight dollar a week uh, rooming house here. And how about, you know, helping me out, some, you know, food, food money. I never called. Him. I just wanted to be self-reliant. My wife later on wanted to know, don't you want to know if, if your real father, if you, if you have any brothers? I said, no. So she goes, and the biggest mistake they made in this country was not hiring her to head the CIA. <laughs> she would have found Bin Laden long before they, they did. So she finds I got two brothers I don't know about. One's a doctor, drives in with his wife from, they were, they were going to Florida. And on the way back, they stopped in Cincinnati. He wanted to meet me because he knew I was his brother. He was the director of psychiatry at the Harvard Medical School. Jeez, a piece. And, and he says, uh, and he was much older than me. And he said, Jeff, we knew you were our brother all this time. But the dad went to his grave, you know, denying it because he didn't, you know, back then, it, well, he was a lawyer. He was taboo. He was married. He said, no, he, he denied it. So he never, but they knew. I was their uh, brother, and, and uh, even though he denied it to his dying day. I got to meet one of my brothers. You know, that's uh, another part another, of the book. Did, did, you ever meet, did you ever meet your dad, your real dad? Yeah, I had met him. I, I met him. I always thought my mother worked for him. He was a lawyer, and she worked for him. Oh, okay, I got you. And, I got I, you. and he came to my bar mitzvah with his wife. So I'm 13 years old. I called him Uncle Louie. Met him once. Hmm. And I think he brought me a Captain Video space helmet. That was a TV show, Captain Video, <laughs> back then in the 50s or whatever. But that was it. And uh, he's a, he's sitting at a table in my photo album from my bar mitzvah. Golly. But, uh, I never saw him again after that, and I never bothered. I had another father figure who was a chef for my mother. I went to visit him in Jersey, and I'm, I'm on the train. I, I, I took a train, 13 years old. He was no longer working for my mother. He was my hero, and he was said he was uh, name was Guy Bordeaux, G U I Bordeaux, and he was this guy with scars all over. He was just a little boy like me, just looked up to him. <laughs> yeah, and he calls me up. He says, "Hey, why don't you come up to? I got a supper club up here in Bergen County, New Jersey, and come on up and see us, see me." And I was, "Oh yeah, sure, sure, guy." And I went ahead and took a train from Asbury Park. Jersey City got on another train to go to uh, Bergen County. While I'm walking by, there's a news uh, machine there. You know, you put, you know, these spans that have the, new, the newspapers in the streets, you know, and yeah. the thing you put a quarter and you flip it up and grab your paper. 
he's on the front page with two other guys, you know, Tony somebody and Frankie somebody else. They're all in the Jersey Mafia, and his name is not Guy Bordeaux, okay? And I said, and I'm going to see him. <laughs> I'm on my way to see my hero, and he's in jail. So I get to the damn supper club. It was a nightclub, and they had comedians playing there. They had a cabana club there, and a huge place, huge. And I get there, and he's there with the, with this Frankie and Tony guy. And I get there. I'm 13 years old, I think. I said, um, hey, I just read about you guys. You know, now, I didn't grab the paper. I didn't even have any money, but I, but I, I wish I kept that paper. But I saw it, and he and his boys, they all laughed. And they were the original Sopranos, these guys. You know, they were, that's what the Sopranos was based on, that Jersey mob. This was uh, 61 or something. You know, and if you look back at the period of Sopranos that came later, that, um, that was about the time, I think. So they just got a kick out of that. And I stayed there for a whole night and listened to the comedian. And uh, I don't know when I went back the next day or that night on a train back to Asbury Park, probably the next day. I don't even know where I slept. You, it's amazing, you, you know, kids grow up, can't wait to be old enough to go out and do things. And here you, you just kind of just started doing it. How much do you think that affected you growing up, almost being basically being an adult in your, you know, in your youth? Did, how much did that affect you as you got older? I mean, did you, do you feel like you, that you didn't get to be a, a kid? Lot. Yeah. Well, I, I, I was, I missed out on a childhood and that's why I act like a child now. I want to get it in before it's too late. <laughs> yeah. You know? I, I didn't have a childhood, a normal childhood. I remember I stole my mother. She had like a 56 Cadillac and I was about, I think 14. And I decided I'm going to drive to New York city. We were living in Neptune, New Jersey. And I'm going to borrow her car. And I take her car all the way to New York City. I get pulled over in the Garden State Parkway. I'm 14, I think. The cop, uh, so I, I got out of my car. because I knew that was it. I'm, I'm not leaving in this car. I'm leaving with him anyway. And I walk out. He says, you know why I stopped you? I said, no. He said, well, you're driving in the left lane. That's the passing <laughs> lane. You got to stay in the right lane. I didn't know that. I said, well, geez, I didn't know that. Well, thank you for telling me. It's not like I went to freaking get my uh, driver's license and I went through the test and all that. I, I I'm three years from that. So he let me back. He put and you I back in the car? To New York City. He let me back, yeah. I mean, he, didn't, he, he didn't give me a ticket or nothing. Holy mother. And I drove to New York City and I stopped off Broadway. I think it was 51st Street. There's a restaurant, a steakhouse called uh, uh, 51st. It's 52nd off Broadway called Gallagher Steakhouse. And I look in the window and I got all this meat aging. Big hunks of beef. And I said, one day I'm going to own a restaurant and I'm going to do the same thing that I just saw here. Well, it turns out when I opened up Jeff Ruby's in Cincinnati, that's what I did. I couldn't do it at the precinct. There was no place to do it, which is an old 1901 police station. But down on downtown Cincinnati, I said, I'm going to dry age my meat right here in the windows, just like Gallagher's, just like I remembered Gallagher's back when I was a kid and stole my mother's car. And I, for some reason, showed up at Gallagher's. So now I go to Gallagher's before I open Jeff Ruby's. I go back there to see how they do it. And I damn near snatched the general manager of that place. And I said, <laughs> I want you to op- I want you to be my opening team. And he was ready to go. And uh, Italian kid. And he's already looking for homes in Cincinnati. And his wife, she does not want to leave. They live in Wayne, New Jersey. And she doesn't want to move. He never came, but I, he, 
showed me how they do the aging and all of that. And I, and I did it there. I did, I did my Gallagher's thing right there at Jeff Ruby's on 7th and Walnut Street in Cincinnati. That's the character I was when I was a kid. But that's interesting you say that. You know, I think this is something else that's interesting about, especially uh, about you, when you look back on, on decisions you've made and things that you wanted when you were younger and that you got. I'm a big believer in the secret. Basically, it's, you know, you envision something, you put it out, you, you say you want it, you think about it, and you and eventually you'll get it in some sort of form. I mean, do you feel that that's, that's kind of, when you look back at things that you got to accomplish and things that you have accomplished, just like that, I, I want that. I'm going to do that. Have you ever heard of that before? The secret? Have you ever heard of that? You know, the way the way to envision something or put it out in the universe, it's called? I, I think it's... Yeah. yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, I mean, you set you set your sights on doing something. I think all of us, you know, I'm sure you set your sights on being a musician somehow and then, you know, that inspired you at some point. So, and inspired so, a lot of... So you... I know, from them. I know you've gotten to meet got plethora of not only Cincinnati, you know, stars, sporting stars and, 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 and things like that. But I mean, you know, what, what, that being said, Pete Rose was a big uh, influence on me growing up playing baseball when I was a kid. Cause I mean, I was, I played baseball for years growing up, you know, it, it, can you get into that story just a little bit about, you know, when you met him and, you know, I know you talk about it in the book a little bit about, you know, the fact that, that had he had you been able to help him out before all the things, everything went down, that maybe life would have been different for, for him. Uh, I was in the middle of that whole thing. That chapter is called The Gambler by Kenny Rogers. Yeah, that's and right. That I was interviewed by Lester Holt and ESP, a lot of people because I was in the middle of that whole thing when, um, when Paul Jansen said, Jeff, you better get my money from Pete because if you don't, I'm I'm going to the FBI. I'm going to the CIA. I'm going to the SPCA. He, he was going to everybody. He says, I'm going to blow the whistle. He owes me money, blah, blah, blah. And, and it, it was shortly after my head injury, um, which I almost died. I had a 5% chance of not living, of, of 5% chance of living. And I, I came out of that. And uh, that's a chapter. Yep in the book and, and, and Pete was working me out to try to get me back in shape and down at the Scandinavia health spa. And I would go back and tell him everything that would Paul Jan. He's that ah, Paul's full of shit. Don't worry. About it. He's crazy. I don't know him, blah, blah, blah. And, and, and I go back and this went on for a month or so. And I, and Pete's attorney and Johnny Bench's attorney was my attorney. So I called Reuben Katz. I said, Reuben, I don't know if you noticed, but here's the deal. And he said, yeah, Pete's told me, but Pete says he doesn't owe him anything. I said, well, he wants $30,000 or he's going to he's gonna blow the whistle on Pete for betting on baseball. I'm just going to give Pell Jansen $30,000. I, I, I think Jansen is telling the truth. I believe Jansen. And Pete's lying to me and lying to everybody. And, and um, I just want to pay him the $30,000. And that'll be my gift. And if Pete ever pays me back, fine. Maybe he will, maybe he won't. And uh, and Ruben said, Jeff, if there's truth to this, you could be dragged into this for obstruction of justice. Don't oh, do it. Right, yeah. So Ruben's my attorney too. So I didn't do it. And uh, of course, it's bothered me ever since. So what if I did? Give him the 30. Would he have just shut up? And that's been the end of it. 
but uh, I don't know. But of course, Pete denied it, and and then um, I could go on about the whole Pete Rose. It's Johnny Bench was I, I met actually first. I'm staying at an apartment complex in in Cincinnati when I moved to Cincinnati. I got there in August of '70, and um, I'm living on a couch. And one of the other managers that came from Cornell, he let me stay at his pad and live on the couch and I paid him rent and there was a nightclub at this place and all the movers and shakers, the young people were staying there. And this kid was probably 24 at the time that I was living with. And, um, they know him at Cornell, but I knew him now. He was working the same holiday and I was working downtown. So I go down to the bar. I have a drink. I'm 22. And there's, Johnny Bench sitting at a bar stool at a table. I'm ordering a drink. Johnny Bench, he's got 15 women hanging all over him, sitting <laughs> on his lap like the Santa Claus, sitting on his knee, sit, just all over him. And and I'm a Reds fan, but I never met Johnny. So I walk over. I said, you know what? If I just get his spillage, I will meet a girl here tonight. Yeah. I mean, how many, how many girls so there's a you know right, there's only, right, right. right. They're, they're all over the place i went up there and i introduced myself next thing you know long story short he comes up to my supper club i was managing up there then of the little foxes it was like a knockoff on the playboy club and he came up there and we became friends and uh, i was in his wedding uh, he was best man in my yep. wedding and he was my partner and him and pete made the precinct possible and they were the two biggest name in sports back in 81 and the big red machine. And they were my partners. And because they became my partners, other guys got in and invested. We opened up that place in a terrible neighborhood in the worst recession. The prime interest rate was 20% when we opened up. God dang. And it was the worst economy, the worst, the worst uh, prime rate in the history of the country, the worst uh, inflation and unemployment in the post-war era. And we opened up that place. And, uh, but they, he backed me and, and Pete backed me. And then they got their friends. And next thing you know, I got my first restaurant. And that it's, uh, I've expanded that place three times now since. And it's the longest running fine dining restaurant in Cincinnati. Well, you're, yeah, I, I mean, one of the most interesting people I've ever met. Jeff, I, I appreciate you. I appreciate you doing this for me. Well, thanks a lot. I enjoyed it. And, um, I'll talk to you next time. You bet, Jeff. I'll talk to you soon, and thank you again. Jeff Ruby, everybody. Thank you. All right, my friend. Thank take, you. Take care. What a what an interesting guy. And that that's really only half of the story. Um, it, it, God, I mean, the restaurants are great. Make sure you uh, check one out if you're ever close to one uh, in in middle of Cincinnati, Columbus, I, I just realized. Columbus and uh, Lexington and and now Nashville. And uh, that's where I met him. And, you know, from restaurants to technology, which now they all go together, uh, we have our great friend for our Technology Today segment, the tech god, the guru, Star Wars dude. I I I got nothing else. That's all over. Rick Borgia. Hello, Rick. Hey Chris, how are you, buddy? Buddy, I'm doing good. I'm doing well. I think "well" is the word. I see you. Uh, you've decorated a little bit. 
Well, you know, can you tell? Can you tell who was here today? Was well, did David come over? Uh, yeah, that's exactly right. I realized looking at it a little bit ago, David. You can tell David loves to put stuff on stands. See, and and he yeah. had to have the guitar up there. But he, yeah, he's a, he's a freaking genius. I mean, he just he knows how to. You, you, you've been produced, man. <laughs> I have been. Well, I mean, I needed to help, and uh, who else are you going to ask besides the fachette? Yeah. Again, everything top of mind being that we're stuck at home and we're we're just pulling entertainment today. We're we're going to go talk about uh, streaming, entertainment, streaming, streaming devices to get you your entertainment at home. So, Chris, off the top of your head, can you name? If you were to name the top three streaming devices out there, what would they be? Well, Fire Stick for sure. Uh, yeah. For me, a gaming station. So like PlayStation for me. <laughs> and then I guess Apple. Yep. Apple. Yeah, Apple TV. Okay. Yeah, well, I've got I've got two out of the three for you that okay. we're going to look at today. So I'm going to switch to my super cool desktop cam. <laughs> and uh, here we've got the Apple TV. We've got the Amazon Fire Stick. And what we've got here is the Roku. And, you know, oh, wow. the Roku was actually, believe it or not, one of the first um, streaming devices to, to come out. Uh, this was developed as a, a partnership with Netflix. It was, uh, you know, Netflix said, let's, let's develop a little box that we can put out there that will, you know, put their, their at the time, their on-demand television. Because remember what Netflix started out as. Yeah. This was, uh, Netflix was renting DVDs in the mail. And so they said, We're, we've got this idea to start streaming entertainment home. And that was the Roku. So the Roku, believe it or not, debuted back in 2008. The, the Roku's now, um, you know, 2008, now it's in its eighth generation device. Wow. So let, let's talk about the Roku first. Now, out of, out of all of the streaming devices, the Roku is one of the most economical ones. There's a, a bunch of different models. Um, you can get into a Roku for about 30 bucks all the way up to their top-of-the-line Roku Ultra, which uh, is a little bit bigger. It's got an Ethernet jack. It's got audio outs, the whole deal. It's got dual-band wireless. But essentially, the, the Roku, and much like these other streaming devices, their interface is all going to be the same. It's going to bring you all of your, your favorite app channels. Now, when you get the Roku, you're going to get a, a very cool remote. It looks like this. It gives you the navigation, the home. It's got some shortcut buttons here, which truthfully... I never use, right. uh, but this is how you navigate around, you know, the Roku interface. Now, if you, if you're really slick, you're going to do what I do and spend 10 bucks and get the, a little bit of a, a more featured remote that actually is a universal remote to control your TV. So it adds a, a power button, oh, input good. changer, some channel buttons, volume still controls the same Roku, but not have 20 remotes right. out by the couch. Let's try and make it a little bit easier. Uh, but yeah, so that's the remote. Let's, let's take a look at the, uh, Let's take a look at the Roku interface here. So right now I've had my Roku running. You're, you've got the uh, screensaver there, but now when I activate it, so here's what you're going to see when you go to the, the Roku desktop. Your apps are right there. So you got your Spectrum, your Netflix, Disney Plus. Spectrum, we're going to go back to, I'm going to talk about that. But yeah, we got Netflix, Disney Plus. You got your Hulu, Prime Video. Um, I've got a Plex Media server at home, so I've got an app for that. And that's to stream all the movies I got on a, a home server. Got my Hulu, my baseball all this good stuff here, and it's in a nice, easy-to-access interface. The Spectrum app is an app for my cable provider, Spectrum. It might be Charter out by you guys. I'm not oh, sure. I got you. It used to be Time Warner. But I love the fact that they had the Spectrum app on here because now I can eliminate my cable box and just watch TV, again, through this app. 
again, the Roku, nice and simple. Uh, the entry level boxes come in at about uh, about 30 bucks for an HD box, but then you can pay, pay more and you get, get up to a 4K. This is actually a 4K unit that I've got right here. Also, the higher end Roku units have dual band Wi-Fi. Uh, the entry level ones were on like the 2.4 gigahertz. Then you start getting five gigahertz Wi-Fi. You get a Roku that boosts the speed. So let's move on to the uh, the Fire Stick. So the Fire Stick looks like a giant flash drive. It literally is just an HDMI port here you plug in, powered by USB. Similar to the Roku, little HDMI out, powered by USB cable. Some of your smart TVs, I've had some success with powering this directly off the TV, which is nice with these two devices. You don't have to run an extra plug. Uh, in which case, when you buy either one of these, they give you the cables, they'll give you the uh, an HDMI extender, sometimes an HDMI cable, and they'll give you a, just your typical USB plug in case you got to plug it in. Rick, you have to have the USB to plug to make these things work, correct? Yes, because it does have to pull power. Wherever you're going to plug this in, if you plug it into the side of your TV, you got to be able to run USB power to it. And again, you can plug it into the TV if your TV has a USB port. Gotcha. It may or may not power it. Then they give you the plug. You plug that in and get some power to it. Gotcha. So nice small little thing. Looks like a little stick of gum. It's uh, about four inch. Let's go ahead and we'll go to the uh, the Fire Stick interface here. So let me wake it up for you so you can see it. There it is. The Fire Stick is really a great device if you live and die by Amazon. Amazon. I mean, if if you've got your Prime fully loaded, if you're ordering right. movies and TV shows on Prime, then you're going to be used to this interface. This interface is also very similar if you have one of the Amazon Prime Fire tablets. But your home screen, you've got a bunch of your app rows here, the ones that you used most recently. And then here are the channels that you're going to commonly use, Netflix, Disney+, Plus, Prime Video, again, a Plex server app, all that stuff. And then it'll show you a bunch of sponsored content. Now that's Amazon. So they're constantly feeding you stuff that they have available to you. So you're going to see a lot of suggestions of things that you can get from them. And then you go continue through, you know, stuff that you've ordered from them will show up there. And since it's tied to your Amazon account, anything that you've ordered either on your computer browser or even on your phone, it's all linked together. So you could watch something on one device and finish watching it here. And then again, you know, more menus for, again, more movies, more TV shows. There's apps. Both the Roku and the Fire Stick have access to games. So you can play those on the device as well. Now, the thing about the Fire Stick, really powerful device, very busy interface. So if you're not used to Prime, this can be a little daunting because there's just so much to choose from. But it is a pretty powerful device. It's got a lot into it. That's awesome. All right, so that's the Fire Stick. Now we get to the, uh, the big box. This is the Apple TV. This is uh, in its fifth generation. This is the Apple TV 4K. Uh, right now, you can get in two different models, a 32 gig and a, a 64 gig. Now, if it's all streaming, you're going to wonder, well, what, why the difference in the, the capacity? Really, it comes down to uh, uh, if you download a lot of apps and a lot of games. I don't. So it's really just used as a streaming device. So um, just the entry-level one works fine for me. From a price point standpoint, the Apple TV is way more expensive than the other two. Again, the Roku, you get into Roku between $29 to $69. Uh, the Fire Stick, you can get into one for about $50. Bucks. Apple TV, you're looking anywhere from $179 to $199 for, uh, for this box. Um, but this is a, a, a premier streaming station. I mean, if you, if you look at the interface that's in the Apple TV, it took me a while to wire all of these devices into <laughs> my, my podcast. But that's why you're the uh, tech guy. That's here, why so you're the tech guy. Might have to, oh, 
All right, we'll put it back on there. All right, so here's the Apple TV. All the apps are there. You got um, Again, there's the Spectrum app, which I love. I was able to replace a, a cable box with this. I've got my Netflix, Disney Plus, Prime Video, all of them there. A nice, very simple interface, very Apple, the uh, simplicity in it. But there's so much more to this device in that this app, Apple TVs are very popular in the corporate market for a couple of reasons. One, uh, you can use them in conference rooms. So if you have a conference room with a flat screen, you've got an Apple TV there, you can enable by going to AirPlay, something that's called conference room display. Your Apple TV will show whatever picture you want to put up there, and it's got a message on the screen so that when you're holding a meeting, you can bring in your laptop, your Mac, your tab, your iPad, your iPhone, and stream directly to that display. There are third-party apps that you can install on a Windows computer to be able to do the same thing. So it's a great, you'll see this often in a lot of conference rooms and offices because it's a great way to just send a presentation right to the screen without having to fiddle with a bunch of wires. But again, for me, it's about the simplicity of the device. Um, ultimately, with all of these streaming devices, it's going to be about the user experience. Um, essentially, all three of them are going to do the same thing. And if, you're, if you want something that's very simple that you can plug and play, you get it on your internet and put in your apps put in you know, the Netflix password, put that in, and then you're off and running. The additional features are going to be what you pay for. If you're very much a Prime person and you're already ordering stuff on Prime, movies and TVs, then the Fire Stick may be better for you. Uh, just know that it's a little bit of a busy interface. But again, if you're used to the Amazon environment, that won't be strange to you. And Apple TV, again, that's, that's something that you're going to pay for and you kind of get what you pay for and that it's a very powerful device. It's got an, a wired uh, ethernet port on it. So if you want to hard line to it, uh, besides having an Apple TV at home, I carry one in my tour case, something will come up where I need to be able to wirelessly take a presenter's feed um, at the very last minute and not be able to run a cable. This is a very simple way to do that. Roku started implementing their uh, environment built into TVs. You can buy dedicated Roku TVs. Same interface, same remote, but it's built into the television set. Gotcha. Uh, rumor is that Apple is going to be launching their own TV. So that's pretty cool. We can look forward to that. Amazon came out with uh, their version of like an Apple TV. It's called the, uh, the Fire TV Cube. Essentially what they did is they took the hardware of a Fire Stick and merged it with like an Echo. So it's got the built-in speaker. Amazon and the Apple are vo both voice enabled. So you can talk to Siri through Apple and do voice commands on things. You can talk to Alexa yeah. and, through the Fire Stick and do voice commands. So whichever girl meets your needs, you better order the device. <laughs> oh, that's dangerous. Uh, Roku hasn't hired a gal yet, but we'll see if one comes down the line. Lots of cool stuff uh, to, to play with here. One thing that's kind of cool with the Rokus, I actually uh, own a couple of them. And I, I have one that I you know, do in a little carry case like this. And um, this travels with me because the, the, the beautiful thing about the Roku and the Fire Stick, but these devices, they're great if you, if you live in hotel rooms a lot. When you have some downtime in the hotel room and you want to just access your entertainment, both of these devices, the Roku and the Fire Stick, are really uh, good for tying into the hotel TV if you can access an HDMI port. And then you can get on the hotel Wi-Fi and then access all your entertainment. Both of these devices have their own, what we call captive portal technology. Because, you know, if you've ever been in a hotel and you log on to the Wi-Fi, they always bring up some kind of a web page that you have to put in, like your hotel room number and a password and right, so forth. Right. 
Well, traditionally, you wouldn't be able to do that through a, a streaming stick unless it gave you the ability to put that stuff in. With the Fire Stick, you join the hotel's Wi-Fi, and that captive portal page pops up, and you navigate, you put in your, your last name, your hotel room number, and authenticate, and you're online. Cool. With the Roku, it's a little bit different. Uh, you join the Wi-Fi through the Roku, but then in order to authenticate, beams a, a, a signal, a Wi-Fi signal to your smartphone device, and through your smartphone, you access that web page, you authenticate, oh, okay, and then you're cool. online. So I travel with these a lot because when I'm not in a ballroom or on a stage or backstage and I'm in my room and I want to decompress and I'm just bored, whatever the local television is, I can just plug this in the TV and just watch my stuff. Well, that's freaking awesome, Rick. That uh, That's awesome. And that would really, you know, hopefully help some people out uh, if they're trying to make a decision on one of these, uh, one of these to buy. Rick, thank you very much awesome. for, well, thank, for technology for today. Me, um, yeah. I'm going to... I got to take care of the kids. You probably heard the dog barking, but I'm going to stay um, captive watching because I want to watch your conspiracy thing later. <laughs> we love you, Rick. Thank you so much. And uh, we'll see you next week uh, on Technology Today with Rick Borgia. He's probably going to go put the dog with the sous vide. Fry the dog in the sous vide. It's a joke. I, know. I didn't have very good luck with the sous vide. I, 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 uh, I cooked pork chops. Uh, for 17 hours and they still weren't completely cooked but uh three days after being sick <laughs> i i came back strong that's what's wrong with you yeah it was the it was the pork chops it's got it's always something with a, a pig you ever notice that it's hot dogs or pork chops the other day i had some bacon that just was just awful i, I you know it's funny uh, what a segue into the our, our next topic for uh tonight's Conspiracy Corner, my favorite uh, scary thing. We're going to bring in our, our boys, uh, Chad Bearden and uh, Andy Lieb on, on these. Uh, there's there's Andy. Do I sound better this time? Oh, yeah. Just might be a little, might be a little hot, a little hot. What can I say? Chad, how are you? Oh, I'm kicking like a bag of ninjas. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny. Um I want to start with this. Uh, it's always great when you have a clip, uh, a, a segment when you start with hit, a quote from Hitler. But, you know, it's uh, this is very interesting. The best way to take control over people and control them utterly is to take a little of their freedom at a time to erode rights by the thousand tiny, almost imper uh, imperceptible reductions. In this way, people will not see those rights and freedoms being removed until past the point at which these changes cannot be reversed. I feel when I read this, I was like, oh, God, that's what feels like it's going on right now, especially when they're kicking people out of the ocean. But it's funny because Rick was showing us all those different uh, devices, and that's a really a big part of tonight's uh, conspiracy theory. The user agreements that we all uh, don't read, I can imagine that neither of you guys have probably ever not. You probably read everything, Chad and, and Andy, right? I mean... No, I get a glazed look over my face every time. <laughs> I can't wait to click that button, get that shit out of my face. Yeah, and then they Let like me... up they update it like three days later, and you're like, I don't even care, just whatever, just sign me up. Well, Chris, that's what we were talking about the other day on the phone. Like, oh, well, you know, a younger generation seems to not care as much, and it seems as if older people are are a little shocked by the fact that people share information so much. Well, you're talking about people that, I mean, older people have the same same issue that 
like my aunt, okay, I will say you're right. My aunt is 65, 66 years old, has no internet, doesn't have a computer at her house. Uh, I don't even know. I think she has a program on her cell phone where she has like three gig of uh, internet a month or something. So, I mean, yeah, there are those people and she would read, would never sign in anything that she didn't read. Right. Um, well, you're talking about that Hitler quote, implementing something over the course of many years. I'm saying that the younger generation and I'm kind of guilty of it myself. It, it's hard for me to really, cause it's something that's not tangible. And it's sometimes it's like, I don't care. You know, like, give me my netflix you know like, <laughs> uh, well like I mean, the, I'm, and it's that's the truth if it boils down to the fact that you can't you either sign the agreement or you don't use the service right yeah and it's it's it has become i mean it's like buying a house now i mean i remember when i was 18 selling cell phones a contract was two pages and you had to go over it all with a client and they had to sign it at the bottom and now they you if you go in pull up an iPad and they're like, okay, here's your terms and agreement. I'll see you in 20 minutes. If you want to read it. Oh, right, right, right. It's just, I mean, you go through and you click the box and just give me my freaking iPhone. And (laughs) well, I mean, in in 2012, PayPal in user license agreement was three 36,000 words. iTunes in 2011, when it's, when it all started, which the simplification is what they're getting nailed for now, but was 56 pages long. And the question is, you know, basically you are signing at the end of the day, you are signing, you can't sue these companies. So if you look at when you, when you look at the conspiracy on, on some of this stuff, this is not so much a conspiratorial situation. This is more, you know, companies collecting your information, right? Specifically by submitting DNA uh, to Ancestry DNA, you agree to grant Ancestry DNA and, and the group royalty-free worldwide transferable license to use your DNA and D and any DNA you submit for any person for whom you have obtained legal authorization. That is insane. That doesn't bother anybody. uh, Yeah, it does. How about this? But, and even that, but like Facebook and all these challenges that go on Facebook, by the way, when you sign up for Facebook, you agree to their user agreements. And so they do a thing and maybe it's intentional. Maybe it's not. I don't know. This is conspiracy corner. So we can, we can throw this out there. Right. Then you come up with, you have all these challenges. Give me your 10 year challenge. Well, now you've just updated your facial recognition for the government. Tell me what, you know, post a picture of your first car, post a picture of your car. Now, you, now you're given security questions for. Yeah, but not, just, but, but, but not only that, but you know, think about this questions that you are asked to secure an account. What's your dad's name, middle name? What's your brother? Where were you born? Where was your dad born? What's your mother's middle name? People are posting their whole family, all their inf- and all their family's information on their on their webs on their Facebooks and their and their Instagrams. And once these pictures are up, this is just well. Before I want to get, I want to stay on the DNA real quick because this is the scariest one. Play her. Play this clip here. Even if you never take a DNA test or commit a crime, this can affect you. Criminal cases are one thing, but here's another scenario. A man donated sperm anonymously 30 years ago. If his second cousin once removed takes a DNA test, his children will be able to find him. Relatives you've never met can take DNA tests that affect you, and the actions you take can affect relatives that you don't even know. So, I mean, that, that's, the, that's the thing. 
You take a, you take a DNA test. There are over 5 million people that have already done this. The FBI is collecting all the information from 23andMe, Ancestry.com. Now, think about this. This is not even a DNA swab. What is Ancestry.com is you go on, everybody in the country, you go on and you put, you upload not only picture of, of last weekend's uh, Christmas party, but you're uploading the history of your whole family. I mean, we we really have, because of people like Andy, who basically say, I don't have anything to hide. And Andy, I say this because it's funny. My brother works for the FBI. He says that all the time. I mean, he's got 60 Alexas and 55,000 computers and phones that, you know, where Google's on all the time. I mean, um, if, uh, if anybody looks up my search history or the things that I share on Facebook, I'm I'm done. They'll lock me away. Well, but that's that's all being logged every time. I think I'm a crazy person. That's all. I mean, look what we're doing right now. I mean, how many times have people there have been Supreme Court nominees who have said something or wrote something when they were 20 years old that have kept them from being on the Supreme Court? We're, we're just sitting here talk airing out all our grievances. Well, you, th- you think about these these kids who are trying to get drafted by NFL teams and NFL teams are going back through everything oh. they posted when they were. 12 years old and holding them accountable for things they said when they were 12. Well, I mean, I, I told you the story. I think we talked about this on a conspiracy corner before the guy that went in and applied for a job and they, and, and the company that he was applying for hired a company that basically the company, their job is to go through the person's social media line by line, tell you everything that you liked, wrote, that, and what was wrong with it and why you should have should have not liked it or what was wrong with the things you've liked. The guy came home to a, a, a package that was 600 pages long. It had everything from every social media that he had done and what they thought was wrong with it. It's, that sounded like everyday life with my ex-girlfriend. <laughs> well, that's disgusting. I was, you know, the other thing is, and it's so the, the ancestry.com and all that kind of thing. The thing about it is the conspiracy part of this is the fact that these people, when especially when you're buying services that are only 30 or 40 bucks, think about this. Used to, before 23andMe, you'd have to go to a doctor. You'd have to go get yourself swabbed. It, it would cost you hundreds of dollars to find out what's in your DNA. Why is this company doing it for 40 bucks? It's because they're making millions selling your information, right? I mean, that that's, that's the scary part. And they're selling it to governments. This is the other thing. It's not just the United States government. It's governments, plural. Could be city governments. It could be It could be other countries. So, I mean, people have to think. I mean, it's not going to stop you from signing the next iTunes or the next Netflix uh, thing, right? You know, and what's the, what's the alternative? I mean, is it just you don't, you don't get to use the service uh, or, I mean... What is the alternative? It, it, it is. It's a it's a private company, so they can deny you access. If well, you yeah. don't agree to their terms, you don't have to be a part of it. Well, this is written into every piece of software, every technological, anything that we're doing. So, Right, and you are just a licensee. Understand that. Songs, movies, software. I mean, we, me and Andy were talking about it the other day. You, you are buying software. You're, you're not buying software now. You're licensing it. There's no more of this where it's hard. It's right into your computer or your game platform. You're not buying a CD. You're buying this off the internet, which means if you were to do something that Amazon did not like, 
they could just shut your account down. So everything you have bought is that is on a cloud, for instance, it's it's gone, and there's not anything you can do about it because all the clauses of these things that you sign say you can't touch me. And they don't even have to give you a reason. I mean, for whatever reason, still don't know. A couple of weeks ago, Instagram blocked me from the ability to like photos. I have no idea why. It's it's also happened to a couple of my friends, but they don't even give you an explanation. Like it's just this you you don't have the right to do this. You go on a big liking spree at some point. I, I don't know. I didn't know you could like too much. Well, they have first of all, I, I don't I don't follow that many people. For the most part, I don't care what people do with their lives. I know on it, Facebook when you're making like events and things, if you're if you like serial event invite everybody down the list, like they will shut you down the next couple of times and they'll 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 cut down the amount of people that you can actually invite from right. like Unless you're paying to promote that event. Well, yeah, paying to promote it, but yeah, but they, they know. And they, and they filter your event based on what you're doing. Well, they know your relationships with people too, and they can tell when you're just, just inviting that guy that you've met one time who lives in wherever versus somebody who's like a close. They know, you know, your circles. You know, Well, Instagram on- literally has that close friends icon now. It, when you're using these platforms and you're sitting there and, and something pisses you off when 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 they when they make you when they don't give you the ability to like something or an event is canceled there's nothing you can do about it but beyond that where is your information going do you you should think about where your information's going and you should also think about how this stuff could affect you in the future because it's that's the problem with with doing things right it's like smoking a pack a day it doesn't hurt you for 50 years Right. I mean, you can smoke for 50 years and then you get nailed. I mean, that's kind of similar to this situation where you just kind of it just becomes something you're that you do. I mean, is the fear that you screw up and do something stupid and it compounds and it's worse? Or is the fear that something is going to come out of nowhere and ruin your life? Well, I'm going to tell you this. I'll tell you what it is. In Wuhan, they got these they have these doctors that have tried to come out and, and tell tell the world what's going on. Okay. These doctors yeah. are gone now. Two of them are dead. And and there's like two or three of them that nobody's can find. Point being is, if you can't, we, we, we had a clip of the woman that opened that salon and was going to get put in jail, $14,000 fine, was going to put her in jail. We had a clip, I, I sent it to Parker, and literally within 10 hours, you couldn't find the clip anymore. The, the 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 pandemic where you know you're you're they put the you, you put so you somebody put pandemic out there on youtube or facebook or whatever the case is they they can take it off so just because that's how you feel and you you agree with pandemic and you want people to know how you feel about it that's if facebook finds that well not right just, they they have you know Facebook after they got in so much trouble um, during the last election cycle because they were filtering out certain candidate stuff they were suppressing certain you know they said that they uh, they have now they've instituted fact checkers but who there's there's no you know who decides who the fact checkers are and who decides what the uh, criteria is 
that that meets to let you decide whether or not it's fact or it's fake news. All right. YouTube outright said that they were removing material that did not align with World Health Organization and CDC guidelines. If it had to do with uh, coronavirus or anything like that, there I, I could look for a clip, but it's, no, it, uh, that's exactly right. And that's right. Said that, that, that they're like, we're out. And, 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 the, and that's, that just goes to show you. And and now you have president Trump who is saying that, that the way they handled this situation proven that they, they, they screwed up. And it was a, there was a, it was a cahoots with China, you know, that's a, so you got somebody like YouTube agreeing with the world health organization, like everybody else did. And these, these guys were telling a lie. So it's, it, you know, you, but the bottom line is you don't, when you think of YouTube, you don't think of somebody pulling stuff off. I mean, if it's one thing, if somebody kills themselves or there's a murder being committed or somebody's doing drug, but just to give an opinion, just to, I mean, th- th- you know, just when, when a woman goes on there, whether she's nuts or she's, think about this, you two right here, you know, you're never going to start a military coup. You're never going to right now in your mind. You don't feel like I need to get on YouTube and say something controversial right now. What if you accidentally see something that you shouldn't see and you come to YouTube or the Facebook or the Instagram and try to tell your story, but the people that, you know, the government, maybe you saw something that the government was doing and you it was top secret or whatever the case is, and you try to use one of these platforms and the government comes and shuts you down or YouTube already does it. I mean, that's the issue. You may not have anything right now to tell people, but if you really had to use Facebook or Instagram or YouTube to tell people something that everybody should know, you couldn't do it. If the government didn't want you to tell people, you wouldn't be able to use these platforms to do that. And you're signing them, even though you're saying you can, even though you're saying you can have the pictures of my mom, you can take my pictures, you can put it on a, um, a, I have a small penis ad. You can, you can do whatever you want, but don't try to I mean, tell they people. They literally use them for the, their new dating service and things like that. Well, that's exactly right. And, and, you, and you get nothing. Oh, that's fine. But if you really go ahead and try to do it, go ahead and try to get on this platform and tell people, find the scoop and really have knowledge of something that's really gone wrong or somebody, you know, you knew who shot Kennedy for real and you tried to come out and you, you wouldn't last You'd be you you wherever Joe Biden's living, that's where you'd be, in a in a loony bin. Well, it's already uh, it's kind of a, this like social thing that's being implemented over years, man, and still is happening. As far as you are, you're you're treated like a babbling idiot. Yep, drunk redneck. You know, if you're to uh, bring any of this stuff up, you know. I mean, look what they've done to Alex Jones. I mean, they've made Alex, and he doesn't help himself, granted. But I mean, I, I mean, I'm just talking about on Facebook. I see buddies that post things that are, you know, maybe not in line with uh, the current mainstream media, and they are attacked. I mean, people are attacking people verbally over any view. Look at this. Look at this. Play the play. What, what, you got to see this. That 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 that's a good freaking point because, and 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 just to go, just to go, just to keep with the, the conspiracy idea and, and these types of things, you are dealing with a, with people that either are on or off. It's 50%. Every once in a while on an issue, you know, you will find some people that, you know, are left or right leaning that will come to the middle, but normally it's 50, 50, no matter how bad or how stupid the story is. 
watch this woman. I had I have to I have to put this in here. But you're pretty you're pretty chipper. You're pretty chipper. Huh? You're happy? Why not happy? Why are you happy? Yeah. Normally I'm a bartender and I wouldn't have a job. Yeah. Well good. I mean I'm glad you guys think it's okay to like infringe on people's rights here. You're infringing on people's rights. Right. So that that that's <laughs> what is wrong with people? What is wrong with people? I mean, there's a situation right there with a user agreement keeping in that whole in the, in this box that it's like don't go into that store. Don't sign the go to another store. And and to your into your thing, the problem is if you create a company that that does what Apple does or gets as big as Google and your user agreement is one page. Eventually, if you get enough people to, to sign up for your service, they're, it's like the, again, taking South Park when you, when the, when the, when the little, when the little uh, pharmacy, you know, grows and grows and grows and he ends up being Walmart. And then they, they shut that one down and then they build up another little, it never ends. Right. And, and now it's just gotten to the point where your information is, is, is important as the service that, that whoever's giving you, making you sign these things is right. I, I don't know. Well, it's, it's become, it, I mean, the, the biggest industry in the world is, is monetizing personal information. I mean, it's, there's, there's no putting that toothpaste back in the tube at this point. <laughs> what the hell is that lady's problem? <laughs> Well, I mean, but that, that's that's the kind of people you're dealing with. It's what is this is What's what you have to do, right? This is what you have to do is to go and you know try to make somebody else who's trying to have just to get by and and, and have a job and that kind of thing. And I mean, that's what did she have a problem with? She, because she they were, were going to make her wear a face mask to go into this store. Oh, okay. So that's is not, it going to get to this not, point where you're going to have to sign a user agreement? Well, hey, I, I was in Miami this past weekend and. You have to wear a face mask if you're in public. Yeah. I mean, not, I mean, there's a fine line, man, of like, there's a fine line. There's a gray area, a sweet spot of finesse that, that the people need to kind of learn because it seems like you got the people who are like, you're infringing on our rights. And then you got the people on the other side who seem like they're kind of virtue signaling do gooders in a way, like the girl walking her dog with her cutesy mask on that she's been wearing every day for the past week. You know, like, you, what? It, you know, it's just, <laughs> you know, I would. I went for a bike ride in in Miami. There were people running in mask, running and in, not and the in, in the P ninety five the the bad boys N ninety five masks. Oh, they every kind of mask you could think of. I mean, I went. We're talking about the beach, in like South Beach in Miami, and the, the little trail. I'm riding a bicycle. I didn't put a mask on, but there are people running on the trails. While wearing a mask. All right, here's a good question. Uh, bringing there was a woman in a full respirator on my oh, flight. That's just I, that's that's nuts. That's, that's I'm, nuts. I'm talking like things I wore when I worked at meth you, lab. You can't you can't tell me just because you're wearing a mask that makes you feel safe. <laughs> that makes you feel safe. You are touching your your butt and your eyes and your nose and your teeth. I mean, you are touching shit all day long. You can't just because you're wearing a mask. I mean, really, a mask, it, it helps you not touch your face, for sure. But these people with these paper masks, 
you know, that, that well, are, no, you touch your face more. I mean, I, I was watching a reporter on the news earlier and she's wearing a mask while she's conducting this interview. And the whole time she's going, she's trying to put her mask. Oh yeah. Up. But yeah, right. But you're touching Wait. the mask. I mean, that's right. I mean, that's okay. I, I mean, mean she's, I, she's touching you. So the thing is, we're not used to wearing. Oh, masks, okay. So here's so it makes you adjust. Here, it more here's the deal. Here's the deal. If the government, if a second wave of this stuff comes and the government says, you have to wear a mask to go into public. You have to wear, everybody is mandated to wear a mask or you're going to jail. I mean, that's a, this is a user agreement because we've agreed to let, I mean, let's face it. Everybody's taking money from the government right now or trying to. Everybody's pissed off. Everybody's whatever. But a second wave comes and the cities, and I mean, because it's going on in Nashville right now. I mean, you just saw the, you saw Legends Corner incident. That's just one of many situations that is happening right now. So they're, they're, you know, there's, it's almost like they're, they're setting us up for a second wave and, and telling us whatever the case is, but we don't listen. If people don't listen now, that's going to give the cities and states even more reason to be, to have to shut down again. If they tell you, do you have to wear a mask or, and you don't want to wear a mask? What are, what are you going to do? Here's, here's the one thing that, that people seem to be forgetting in, a, in this whole process, specifically with the legends corner thing. Somebody willingly went into that bar and then had a problem with the bar. So here's the thing. If you don't feel safe, nobody's making you go. Nobody, you are in control of you. I, I know. And you control who comes into your home. But see, here's the, here's the, here's the issue. It's it, when you really think about it, it's, this is again, it's secondhand smoke. It's the secondhand smoke uh, uh, issue. You know, you you might not give a shit if you get it, but if you get it and you pass it to somebody who does, that's the problem with this whole situation, right? But but what I'm saying, you know, the point that we're at in our in the whole thing right now, it, nobody for the most part is being compelled to go to work. Nobody's being compelled to leave their house. Nobody's. I mean, you have freaking Jerry Jones on his yacht out in the in the like he's docked in miami in his yacht right now he, he makes when he gets grocery deliveries he makes them sanitize them and set outside for three days before they allow him to come on the yacht oh, you I would, can do I would that not want to eat the pastry and, and have milk with that those cookies but but i'm just but, but i'm saying you can control if you want to stay at home and have zero guests you can do that no i get you i'm with you and and i told and it was and there's a thing today 40 to 50% of the fatality of the 84,000 people that have died in this country have been over the age of 65 years old. Okay. So, I mean, of 84,000 people, 40 to 50% of these, this rest homes have been in rest homes. This is a, this is a, this is a problem. And again, you give, you're giving people booze and then trying to tell them to control themselves. It doesn't work. It doesn't work for any of us. If you want to call in and get in on this conversation, I want to know if you would wear a mask. If you are made to wear a mask, are you just going to stay home? Or are you going to go out in public? I want to, I mean, if they make you put a microchip in your, in your arm, are you going to do that? What, I mean, we could get to this point. It could but get to this point. At what, at what point do you, do you start fighting back and say, I mean, cause I mean, we are, we're giving away our rights willingly more and more and more and more. Like at what point do we stop and go, why, why are we doing that? I don't have to give them my rights. What would happen? Because nobody wants to be a martyr. Nobody wants to be the first group that, you know, it, like, like the, you ever watch the Patriot? 
you know, all them oh, yeah. poor bastards that, 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 you know, that died to, to start this country. And, and that's fine. I mean, there, there has to be a cause, but I mean, I don't know if who has the testicle fortitude in, in, in this day and age to, to, to live through being put through persecution because you don't microchip or wear a mask in public. I just don't, I don't think, I think you'd have to take real shit going down. Yes, absolutely. The thing is, is we've lived through some real soft times, man. (laughs) Unbelievable. Seriously. You know what I'm saying? And it's like, we, we haven't grown up in some unstable, you know, third world country where people will rebel and go cut somebody's head off in their office. You know, like it's going to take some serious infrastructure, serious, uncomfortable shit for somebody to, for the, for the American people to start acting that way. You know, like we've, it's, it's just not in our nature yet. We're soft. It's It's not. I mean, the fact of the matter is when, 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 when a state government is willing to give you 150 to $225 a week, to help you live and have some food, and the federal government comes along and gives you another six hundred dollars, right what now. Do you have to about? What do you can't? You what? You could keep taking away people's rights until the end of time with that kind of money, and it's mm-hmm. endless, you know. And right now, there's no question about it. People should be a little bit worried and scared about what the other side of this is going to be because this is the Pay beginning. Yeah, I mean, you you just lived and are living in one of the most unprecedented nobody has a freaking idea clue this is not even the spanish flu it's not anything like this anything in the history because it shut down the whole freaking world not many people passed away from it it wasn't killing healthy people you know in in, in huge numbers like, like like some of the pandemics that we've looked at or or epidemics in in certain parts of the world this it just shut down the whole world you just shut down the whole world as close as I should like, like you know, uh, economy type stuff. But I mean, is the economy just totally ruined right now still, or is it kind of climbed back a little more since stock markets up in China stock markets up in the United States, other countries are, are, are real are saying that they're not having problems with the, with, you know, that they're not having, you know, more cases since they've opened, since some of these places have opened up, up, up from horrible or back up. No, like no. we were. Absolutely. You can't. That's the issue with people in the stock market. You know, I mean, the the stock market. I remember a time in the 90s when I was going to college where the stock market, you know, was it probably what, nine, ten thousand points? It's twenty four thousand points Mm -hmm. with inflation not being an issue for the last 15 years. People have made some money. Whether it was Obama or or uh, now with Trump or whatever it's not it's it's superseded politics in a lot of ways the housing bubble withstanding but i mean th- this this issue with the with the rights if you know if we try to stay on par on point here with this situation this is some serious stuff because the next thing could be you have to wear a mask in public you have to get vaccinated. Well, the government has to be able to know that they put a needle in you and gave you a vaccine before you're allowed to go into public. That this this is going to be something that's going to happen when this vaccine comes out. It's the do it. If they're smart though. It's like they're giving you like treats like a doggy. They'll be like, okay, don't get you don't get your next little twelve hundred dollar check if you don't <laughs> get your uh, go get your hand stamped. You know, like. It's the truth. Is it gonna is it gonna be forceful? Is it gonna be this mandatory forceful thing, or is it they gonna provide something on the one side to keep your belly full, yet you know still you're still got to go do what they're forcing you to do? I 
again, it's like a user agreement. If you don't accept the vaccination, you don't get to go out and live a normal life. And so well, what are you agreeing with? So, but I mean, I think that's also kind of split a little bit because I mean, now you have lots of, uh, public figures and elected officials and, and even like sheriffs and chief of police who are saying, we're not going to enforce this stuff. Um, you know, I, there's a, a list of sheriffs in Alabama who said, we're not doing this. And it's the same way across the state. I'm just obviously familiar with Alabama because that's my home state. But um, you know, even the, the lieutenant governor came out telling the governor, you, you, you need to open back up the state. You need to give people their rights back. And you're talking about people who are in the same political party. But, yeah. And that's, you know, you, so, and that's fine. But you, you understand how the states and the federal government work. I, I mean, the, the states have, have damned themselves as much as, as, as somebody on welfare, basically you, by the state taking all the federal subsidies year after year, after year, after year for education and, and roads and every other thing, these huge amounts of money, you know, that I'm going to, I'm going to take a breather here and just show the dark. Maybe we'll get more followers, but you've, <laughs> you've basically taken all this money and you've said, you know, I, I, the federal government, it all comes with stipulations. So yeah, a governor or a sheriff and the government to the governor to a city is the same way with subsidies the, you, if a governor says everybody has to wear a mask and the mayor in the certain town says, no, you don't. Yeah. You have the right as a mayor and, and or or the sheriff in that in that county to say I'm not going to enforce this law, but the governor can either come in and say we're not going to if you do this the sheriff department never going to get another dollar for another uh, another Ford Taurus or a shotgun, mm-hmm. or the federal government could come in with with the army. I mean, so you know you can say it a, a mayor or a sheriff's department or a city you know a, a police what is it chief I guess can right. say we're not going to enforce the law, but ultimately it's not up to them either through subsidies or through the long arm of the federal government. I mean, I mean, and that's the truth. Well, and, it, and a lot of this is, I mean, obviously it's going to be decided in court. I, you know, I saw a, uh, a news release the other day or whatever that said that, you know, there are tons of lawsuits being filed by businesses against state governments right now. Um, and and their their businesses who are winning these uh, these court battles, saying that these these orders are not constitutional and you can't enforce them. Well, you're going to find out. I mean, this stuff is not it's not going away, and the, and lawsuits are already lawsuits are already starting. I mean, the lawsuits are already starting against the states, and eventually it's going to be. But the thing about it is, Cuomo the other day was talking about how the people were you know, trying to sue or, or up in arms about how they handled their rest home situation and how many people died from that. And he, and his, and his exact words were, who are you going to sue? How are you going to sue anybody? It's an act of, where did this come from? And that my friend is the key words. This came from China, right? And so that's the next, ultimately the next step is how is China going to be responsible? And I tell you, I, my dad has an interesting uh, take on this and in, in, in the sense that what if what if this was a reason to say all those all those home loans you bought all that debt you bought from the United States all the money we've borrowed nope 
Eat it. Oh, yeah, they're eat it. They're collecting. Collecting. Yeah. We just had to play. We just had to pay. You think about this. What are we? Fourteen trillion dollars in debt to China, and we're about to write a chip. We're about to write a, another go round that's going to put us close to that. Twelve trillion dollars. What is the what is the chance that you look at China and say this is your fault? We had to pay twelve trillion to to American public to keep us going. You you eat that debt. We're we're gonna we're gonna take that off your. We're gonna take that off the tab. Yeah. yeah, I mean it's I'd do it, and I think you know I I, I don't know. I mean I I see. Well, I don't think Trump's scared to at least say it. I mean, it's it's, a, it's an interesting it's an interesting. I mean, I don't know. I don't know how world economy works in that regard. All I know is that the federal government. The the one thing I do know is that the the fact that the dollar is not backed by anything that the Federal Reserve has a checkbook that is literally whatever they want it to be. So, however Dude. money works, like magic, magic <laughs> like it just, it just comes out of nowhere. Just so, however money works, and and so every currency in the world is backed by the U.S. dollar. So you tell me that there's not something here. Something is not right. I, I don't, you know, I, I might need to be a nuclear physicist to understand the, the monetary side of this situation, but something is not right. The, the, every world currency is backed by the U.S. dollar, and the U.S. dollar is backed by nothing. And the world banks are owned by one person, almost all of them. Oh, and, and, the, and it's independent, the, the tre- or the, not the treasury, but the... <sighs> So it's so an independent when, agency. When you say comes from China, I mean, like, is that implying uh, manufactured or released intentionally? Manufactured, or? manufactured. We mean comes from China, right? Okay. So basically, I got a, I got a weird question there. Okay, they've been collecting all this information, right? Mm-hmm. So over time, twenty three and me, all your DNA. <laughs> Okay. Oh, here, here you go. Was it doing it? Uh, uh, all your DNA, though, all this stuff that they have collected over the years. My first question to you: Do you think that maybe they can they've used that DNA or, or DNA and information on everybody to be able to manufacture this in a certain way and know who it's going to affect, the type of people it's going to affect? And or do you think over time, once we uh, get more information on the virus, that they're going to be able to use that information to track the type of people that are going to get this? Okay, you just you literally just uh, now you're you're talking about literally another conspiracy corner. So uh, just to hit on that, and we could almost do this as next week's conspiracy corner, a small Pharma, the, the ninth largest pharmaceutical company, it starts with a D, G. It's uh, Go, Gosh, or I can't think of the name. I can't pronounce the name. They they basically bought the information from people like 23andMe. They bought the information to find out what people with high cholesterol, what their DNA looked like and what similarities they had and found one then created a drug that pinpointed that particular part of the DNA to lower people's cholesterol. Okay. Are you joking me right now? This, the genome, the fact that the human person and a scientist has figured out how to read a piece of DNA, let alone being able to now 
I mean, they're talking about navigating to where you, before your child's born, right? Mm. You can go in and fix things. uh, CRISPR. Well, that's where I put my, that's where I put my cheese and and vegetables. Uh, Look up CRISPR. Okay. What is that? Uh, Well, I'm not going to be able to get it tonight. Say what? You're not going to be able to explain it tonight? Uh, Well, I can a little bit. It's a European thing. I think it's like Swedish or something like that. Um, But there's, it's exactly what you're talking about that they're able to, they're, they're basically decoding the genome in a way that they can isolate, you know, single amino acids to make you do all sorts of things. And basically they want to create a superior race, you know, uh, in a way look CRISPR. Yeah. I, I think that, I think that, I think it's going to come. I don't think it'll be necessary. I think it's right now it's in the, the, well, let's face it. I, I, who knows, who in the hell knows when you got somebody like Dr. Day giving a speech in 1969, like we heard last week on conspiracy corner talking about everything that's basically happened to this point in the United States, things that didn't, I mean, the cure for cancer in 1969, who knows how long this has actually been going on and how detailed some of this stuff you have scientists from from the late 1800s saying some crazy, crazy things about the about uh, the human genome and and things that were going. I mean, even Darwin, they they things that I have read talk about Darwin and another scientist at the same time that were really that had really written. And, and talked about some crazy things that never really got out. I mean, we all know that Darwinism, we all get that that cliff note, but apparently it went so much deeper than that. I, I, it's, it's, it's an interesting, I, I think we should try to maybe next week look at, because the, fact, you- the fact of the matter is your DNA, yes, when you give 23andMe a swab, they're not telling whoever they're selling the information to that it's Andy Lieb or Chad Bearden, but they're taking that information and using it as a, as a group and then turning around and making drugs based on the information and you didn't give them any right to it. I mean, it's, it's, it's freaking crazy. Anyway, that's conspiracy corner. I think we're going to, it's my, I'm, I'm going long. I'm going too deep. What do you oh. get? Oh, there's CRISPR. Can you see that? Yeah. This is moving right here with my mouse. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So CRISPR look this up. Uh, it's pretty wild stuff. Technology is simply a powerful tool for editing genomes. It allows researchers to easily alter DNA sequences and modify gene function. Popular usage. Yeah. I have heard of this. So look this up. That's definitely in what we were talking about. C-R-I-S-P-R. CRISPR. CRISPR. C-R-I-S-P-R. Unbelievable. Let's do that next week. Conspiracy Corner. Let's do that next week. Okay. Cool. I think we got a we, we got our next week thing. That helps me out big time. You're welcome, Chris. Hey, I love you guys. Happy Memorial Day weekend. I hope you enjoy yourself. Love you too. All right, Chad Bearden and Andy Lieb, everybody. Love on you. another conspiracy corner. Nice. Nice. Oh, we'll see you next week, I guess. Are they still there? Are they gone? Oh, there they gone. Um well, everybody, I appreciate it. That was a good show tonight. I uh, hope we didn't, uh, you know, I, I, I would just end with this. W- when you sign something, just understand you either need to just say, I got nothing to hide and don't care what you do with my information, or you should probably take 15 or so minutes and, and read over it.
But either way you go, uh, that's it. Make sure, can you bring up uh, the merch page, please? Uh, How Valid is the Validity now has uh, some merch out. We got uh, some mugs and uh, some shirts and uh, other stuff. Next week's uh, Chris Weaver band live from the sectional is going to be probably on Thursday because I'm going to West Virginia uh, for the weekend. So we'll see how it goes. And this is check out the website. You can donate to the podcast. Uh, there's a donate button on the on the top of the website, and uh, that helps us continue to bring content and for me to pay Parker. And he's cheap, so we you know we're not asking for much. And there's the merch. Uh, just go to hvvcast.com, and uh, and you can hit the donate button on the merch, or and or you can donate by buying a a cool beanie in the middle of summer. What the Anyway, on uh, my uh, half, Parker, thank you for being a part of the show tonight. Thanks for being awake. Of course. Yeah, we love you. And tonight's uh, Greg Ice Song of the Week. That's what we'll leave you with. On how valid is the validity. We'll see you next week, everybody. Thanks for joining us here on uh, HVV. Tonight